1: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories.
0: <laughs>
1: hey writers, if you're listening to this, here's the rub. Our Facebook group has just voted for their favourite TOS themes that we've ever ran in the past, and we are going to be rerunning them. So, the same favourite themes with brand new stories and that's where you come in. We need you to, um, write some. The themes are time travel, alternative realities, space, post-apocalypse, mythology, and doppelgangers. You can find more details and the submission form at theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. Today's episode is Play Fetch, written by Dan Howarth and narrated by Josh Curran.
0: On the dark net
1: there's a discussion
0: about whether you can train a kaiju the debate has thousands of entries people like me share clips of the progress or lack thereof that we've observed in our work over the years like any argument online the two trains of thought have split off from each other with very few people sitting in the middle ground those who believe kaiju can be trained laugh about those who don't calling them ignorant conversely those that don't believe kaiju can be trained think that those who do are creating grandiose theories to try and make themselves look clever. It took me some time to decide on my own theory. Every decision is a political one in this industry. Powerful friends can make you richer and powerful enemies can shatter your fledgling business. But, if you play it right, you can get maximum exposure from both sides. It used to be that you could only find the things I deal in by searching complicated terms on eBay and other auction sites. Only those in the loop would know what they were bidding on. To the uninitiated, it looked like a bunch of maniacs were bidding over the odds for old bike parts or computer chips, when in reality, we were haggling over the price of some of nature's finest specimens. Natural wonders that had to be seen to be believed. Things people would kill to own, and in many cases, have died to obtain. The introduction of the dark web makes proclivities like mine easier to access. Instead of mining code words to discreetly buy on legitimate platforms, I can search openly to my heart's content, safe behind encryption and pseudonyms. The downside, it's easier to spend money than ever. Cryptocurrency and real-time bidding can lead to me spending hundreds of thousands in one day. But on the upside, my little project is getting more business than ever. More visitors, more attention, and more recognition as one of the world's premium kaiju centuries. This isn't Jurassic Park where I live in subtropical luxury. The couriers who bring my specimens put their lives at risk as they traverse the often freezing seas around the St Kilda archipelago, north of Scotland. Other collectors have set up in similar locations around the world, salt flats in America, islands off Asia or South America. What I have here might be small compared to some monstrous theme park like Disneyland, but the attractions we have are much more likely to blow your mind. Those who are knowledgeable and privileged enough to afford a visit are connoisseurs. Then there are the celebrities. Footballers with more money than sense, visit in the off-season. We've had actors, including a very well-known Hollywood couple, lauded for their animal rights work. Kaiju really do attract all sorts. We even had a Prime Minister once. That was a risk. He came without security detail for obvious reasons an overnight showing. I stood with him on the viewing platform near Saisho's fence and watched my first hatchling scream at the rain. I've never felt more secure in that moment. One of the most powerful men in the world looking at me in awe, knowing that for all his legislation and military might, if the mood took me, I could destroy him. There have been few sweeter days than that. Saisho is the bait I use to get Nakatomi over from Japan. We've both been in the business for over 20 years. While he was racking up the biggest illegal park in Asia, I did the same in Europe. I've lost count of how many auctions went to the wire, both of us bidding hundreds of thousands of pounds for Kaiju eggs, waiting until the last seconds to pull the trigger on the winning bid. Of course, Nekotomi's family have been in the kaiju game for generations, but they sat up and took notice of me soon enough. Saisho was the first auction I stole from them. My first hatchling. The first kaiju I raised. My firstborn. The skill in cultivating a kaiju is to keep it relatively weak. Ensure it's still threatening enough to scare your visitors, but not so powerful that you can't contain it. Saisho is as docile as a kaiju can possibly be. He's barely killed anyone these past few years. Sure, we've lost a few along the way, but still nothing ventured, nothing gained. It's Saisho who I film obeying commands to tempt Nakatomi. He's always advocated that kaiju are too wild to be tamed, that they will not follow instructions. But my videos put paid to that. They blew his theories out of the water. I embarrassed him in front of his staff and his customers, stole the spotlight away from him and onto me. I bet he was so angry he didn't even bother to check whether the footage was legitimate. Not that he'd be able to tell the difference, even with expert knowledge. The important thing is, he's on his way. Nakatomi is pale when he steps off the helicopter. The ride north from Aberdeen is a hairy one on days like today. The wind whips across the Atlantic and batters my islands. Even my kaiju take time to adjust to being here. We shake hands, and he insists on going straight to see Saisho, which I find a little rude. I've prepared a banquet for him, silver service in my private residence, no matter. Perhaps we can discuss the finer points of kaiju business after this little charade is over. I attempt some small talk, but he just smiles and shrugs. I've seen videos of him speaking English, so I know he's just holding out on me. Just being goddamn ignorant. But I smile back because that's how you play politics. On my belt, my walkie-talkie crackles into life. Somewhere overhead, in the howling wind, there's shouting. It's echoed through my device. I snatch it up. Nakatomi watches me, his face neutral. Boss, come in, boss. It's a trick, a fucking trick. He's come prepared. More shouting, a blast of gunfire, then dead air. Jeffries, Jeffries. I'm wasting my breath. My security detail has been wiped out. Nakatomi smiles now. Seems you didn't think of everything, Richard. There's an American twang to his English. A smirk on every word. Your security isn't what you think it is. Hasn't been for a while. At least not while I've been watching. His goons appear on the walkway behind us. Assault rifles in hand. Faces covered. Box fresh camo gear. There's just me and a silent walkie talkie. Nobody's coming to help. There is nobody to help. "'We'd better go and see Saisho, then,' he says. I lead them through the park, past my other specimens. Each one calls out in rage, lust, mournfulness, their crooked, sharp mouths howling into the grey sky. Nakatomi inspects them with a cursory glance.' We reach Saisho's enclosure and pause by the door. Nakatomi and his men stop, rifles no longer pointing at my face. They're all staring up at Saisho, my firstborn, the closest I've ever had to a family. He towers above us, burning red eyes fixed on the new arrivals. The clouded sky accentuates the curves and spikes of his body. Even on this overcast day, he shines a deep orange, like burning embers. Make him do his trick, Nakatomi says. Get him to perform, or you die. I reach into my jacket for the control pad to the park, a thin tablet that holds the whole world on it. On cue, the soldiers cock their weapons, and I look the muzzles in the eye. Relax. This is what I need to start work. Nakatomi waves a hand, and they lower their rifles. My mind starts ticking on a way out of this. Security detail is gone. Where are the other staff? Have they been killed quietly, even before Nakatomi arrived? If it's just me, then something has to give. I need an equalizer. Above me, Saisho roars. The ground shakes with the power of his voice. Without looking at them, I can feel the awe of the soldiers. Not so much from Nakatomi. Get on with it. There's the scuffle of shoes and then the unmistakable feel of a gun at my back. We'll have to go in the pen to make him do the trick. We can't do it from here. Nakatomi starts to laugh. Then as soldiers join in, I don't turn back to watch them. Instead, I stare up at Saisho, watching him agitate behind his reinforced, electrified walls, feeling the earth move as he does. Do you think we're stupid? You're going in there. We'll watch from out here. I see. The gun in my back again. Desperate to unleash some fiery death on me. I press the button and let myself into Saisho's pen. Stepping through the sliding steel gates, Walking towards my almost certain death as I near the gigantic foot of the Kaiju. Even though his growth has been suppressed, Saisho is still 40 feet tall. He eyes me the way he always does, with what I hope is curiosity. He's had a good life here. Surely he knows that I've always cared for him. Loved him like a son. Come on, barks Nakatomi. But I don't break eye contact with Saisho. In the video I sent Nakatomi, I showed him how I taught Saisho to sit on command, using buttons on this pad. Of course it was all well edited. Saisho doesn't do a damn thing he's told to do. The only thing I'm able to do is piss him off perhaps that's all it will take. I jam the door open using the pad. Then backing slowly towards the door, I make sure Seisho is moving in that direction too. I press the button for his shock collar. Tens of thousands of volts running through him as he shakes slightly. It's not enough to kill him or even hurt him that much, but it always annoys him. Before he can focus on what's happening, I'm running full pelt towards the half-open gate. Behind me is the scream of his voice, his hot breath as the ground begins to shake. I'm through the gate and out as the soldiers realise what's about to happen. Saisho smashes into the gates and blasts his way through. The soldiers open fire, drawing Saisho's attention away from me. Their bullets are like wasp stings to him, and he launches forward, tearing them to shreds. Nakatomi tries to run, but Saisho grabs him around the waist, and then, with a twist and a crunch, Nakatomi is nothing but meat and bone. I run between the other pens, Saisho's brethren roaring their approval, begging for freedom of their own. One of them smashes against its pen as I pass, and I drop the tablet that controls everything. There's no time to stop, no time to go back for it. I hear it smash under Sysho's foot, followed by the inevitable screech as the park's other gates slide open. Sysho's footsteps echoed by his brethren, realizing that everything is changing today. I race through the park, years of bad diet and no exercise catching up with me as my gut slows me down. I reach the helicopter, not that I've flown one in years. Buttons and dials scream up at me, some familiar, some alien. I start the ignition, rev the thing. The blades crank into action. I press some green buttons. Nothing happens. The blades are at full speed, and Scishow is closing in teeth bared my son my only family filling up the windscreen as he gets closer to me i yank at the control stick and the helicopter lurches into the air whiplash tells me that i haven't put my seatbelt on the helicopter races upwards but not quite high enough scisho's claws swipe up an immense thud i'm losing altitude an alarm starts blaring The engine roars and falters. Everything starts to swing around me as Saisho thrashes the helicopter from side to side. The ground races towards me as I fall from my seat and smash into the windscreen. You can't train a kaiju. Nobody ever
1: could. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Playfetch was written by Dan Howarth, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Alex Mason and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Dan Howarth has written loads of stories for the other stories, so go check the back catalogue. But also, he's a writer and editor from the north of England, where he recognises only the authority of, of Marcus Rashford, the true king in the north, rather than the UK government. Dan's debut collection, Dark Missives, will be out imminently. Head over to www.danhaworthwriter.com to find out more. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He's narrated many episodes of the other stories over the show's lifetime. He's also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast, Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at, at JCurranWriter, and that's Curran spelled with two R's. If you enjoyed today's episode, Please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about podcasts over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs and posters and comics are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part?